Welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Dustin Lunt, one of your two hosts for the evening. Thank you again for joining us. Jake Trowbridge, the other host for the evening. How are you doing tonight, sir? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Can you say for me right now which of us is the hostess with the mostest? Well, that's you for sure. I can't I can't. You think say I have? That. You think I have the mostest? You do have the mostest. Okay. I don't know why I needed to know that right now, but I did. Uh, no, I'm, I'm doing pretty solid, man. I'm excited because we are two days from kickoff. Yes, yes. Recording on Tuesday night right now uh, for our audio-only uh, listeners. And yeah, two days from football, real football coming back. Oh, I can't freaking wait. I am so excited. Uh, I am just going to plop myself down with at least a six-pack of beer, probably some nachos, and just watch football, and it's going to be glorious. I like that. Can you leave some of those nachos in my mailbox before the game? Because that would be. I probably could. Um, they, they might get a little soggy, however. I'll deal. I'll but, deal with it. My excitement will override the sogginess in general. Like. All right. Well, we are uh, talking week one preview here. Little little chitter chatter about week upcoming week one. Uh, we'll we'll be discussing some defensive streaming strategies. We'll give you guys a quick injury update here as we're, we're getting lineup set for, for the Thursday night game. And then a uh, little backfield discussion, some of those muddled backfields, see if we can clarify some of the situations for you. And then our start of the week, we're going to be choosing one player, one player only that we're going to plant our flag on every week from here on out. That, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, we're going to make you wait for it, though. It's the last thing yeah. that we're talking about on the episode, just that's, to make you come along with the rest of the ride. That's right. It's, it's called a tease in the business. <laughs> we are a couple of big teases. I, I have been told that once or twice in my life, so um, just holds true. All right, so before we get into the meat of our episode here, first things first, got to talk about what we're drinking here. Especially mm-hmm. after that first day back after a, from work after a long weekend, it's always a rough day back. So beers are definitely in order for this evening. So what are you drinking, Jake? I am keeping on the trajectory that we were on yesterday. So for our listeners, me and Dustin had our home league draft yesterday. Very interesting this year because it's a very small number of people participating, but it was still a hell of a lot of fun to do that draft. But I was drinking all Oktoberfest yesterday. But I brought in a new one for today, Ooh, which is Staghorn by New Glarus. I love that beer. It is such a good beer. Oh, I, I know we said we've said it the last couple of weeks, but Oktoberfest just gives me all the warm and fuzzies. And it is uh, the opposite of warm and fuzzy outside right now. This is the first real rain fall kind of day that we've had in Wisconsin, uh, or at least in a bit. And it feels good to be drinking one of these while that's going on outside. Mm-hmm. Now, you have something special that you're drinking tonight. What's yeah, that? Yes. Um, I didn't have time to run to the liquor store. I'm just going to say it. So I'm drinking homebrew this evening, and it's just my Blondale. Good summer beer. Nice and light. Don't say just. Not just get your Blondale. Here. Your Blondale. Here. Yeah, nice and clear. Good Blondale. Uh, so, yeah, having that instead of, of a... Of a Name brand. You are a name brand. Don't well, kid yourself, goddammit. I never try to kid myself. <laughs> well, then don't kid me. 
All right, do we want to get into our drunk, 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 hammered, drunk, 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 drunk trade of the week. So yeah, this one uh, comes in from Reddit this week uh, from F Fresh. That's two F's and two H's. I hope I I got that clear when I was uh, pronouncing the name. I think he nailed it. So this one came in last off season. And all it says is, I traded Cooper Cup for Delaney Walker this year. No elaboration, no saying how drunk this person was, just the facts. I think the facts speak for themselves. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Since Delaney now, Walker. You said this came in last offseason? Yes, last offseason. Okay, so we did some vault digging for this one. A little bit, yes. So Delaney Walker is really still maybe potentially going to be relevant for a couple of games. But how drunk did you have to be to get rid of Cooper Cup, man? Uh, very is the answer for that. It really is. I, I This is one of the more lopsided trades I think we've had. I mean, it's it's so bad. Cooper Cup's the top. I mean, he was, what, ended number four or five last year overall in PPR leagues? Yes, he was very near the top. I mean, and this um, is after he kind of, yeah, well, and this was kind of after he fell off too. It's like he could have finished number one if he kept on that early season trajectory. So uh, to trade a high end wide receiver one last year for a handful of pennies you found in your coat pocket, uh, it just doesn't work for me. Well, I'll say, so to your point, Cooper Cup finished his wide receiver four last year. So yeah, that's pretty, pretty rough. Delaney Walker, the only thing that you really have to know about this is Delaney Walker was 35 last year. So good job trading a, <laughs> a old wide receiver because everybody talks about Cooper Cup and, you know, he's an old young wide receiver, uh, but he's not 35. Nope. Nope. So I will give this, what do I want to give this? I will give this six Jaeger shots. Yeah, I think the person who made the trade needs those now they could use those anchor shots right now on it yeah it's just just pure badness all around there yeah this is for me this is uh have you ever well i know you've done these because we used to frequent a place around here called the karaoke kid uh which which did these wonderful sake bombs as drinks so it's just sake and i don't know some sort of mixer that desperately needs to be a better mixer <laughs> but I'd say there was about eight or nine of those in when they completed the trade. I'm I'm pretty sure those are just sake with more sake, and they they say it's some other mixer because they taste awful. And I don't care how much you've been drinking, they just still taste awful at any time of the evening. But the vibe of it feels so wonderful. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's fun watching those chopsticks go in your shot glass just falling right in there. It's fun. That's right because you got to pound the sides of the table to get the shot. It's a drop shot, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, on the little chopsticks, and then you just it's like a game. And then you win the prize of a uh, disgusting shot. That's right. Well, I think we've talked enough about disgusting shots here. Uh, should we get in to the heart of our episode here? Please. So let's just briefly, we're not going to go over every week one matchup here, but let's talk about the Thursday night game in particular, just because it is the kickoff game, the marquee game of the week, I think you could say. It is the Texans at the Chiefs. This is going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, it should be all offense, no defense to speak of. What's not to love? This, the defending Super Bowl champs. You got Bill O'Brien 
and his team that he has constructed the way he wants it. Uh, they just signed Deshaun Watson to that huge contract. So, you know, he's he's paid. How do you see this game going, Jake? Uh, I expect high scoring for sure. Like this should should be a shootout uh, by all, all metrics here. I was looking because I was curious. I remember the last couple of kickoff games were really low scoring. Because last year, it was Packers and the Bears to open it up at Silver Field. And it was a final score of 10 to 3. And the year prior, it was the Falcons and Eagles. But it was like that rainy mess of a game. And it was 12 to 18. So I got nervous. But then I remembered the last game before that, that the Chiefs were actually playing the Patriots. So it was 42 to 27. So I'm expecting much closer to that for this game. Yeah. Um, you know, and then looking at the regular, the rest of the schedule here, I know I said we're not going to go through every single game here, but a couple interesting games I just want to point out that I think would be good ones to keep an eye on and watch. I, I just think it'll be some good football. Obviously, Packers-Vikings, that should be a good one. I may be slightly biased on that take. We'll see. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but I also think uh, Seahawks-Falcons should be a good one. And then the Cardinals-Niners should be a really interesting match. Oh, yeah. And I also, well, the Buccaneers-Saints should be a high-powered, high-scoring game. And then the Sunday night game of the Cowboys and the Rams should be real interesting, too. So there's some good, pretty good matchups on the docket. I really want to just point out quick about the Seahawks and Falcons, because I think that might be my favorite game that I'm anticipating, just because, not only because it's my guy, my drinking buddy, Matt Ryan, get to uh, start the year off on a high note, I'm sure, but this is another shootout that could get wild, or we could see the emergence of two stud running back, Chris Carson versus Todd Gurley. There's a lot of different narratives and a lot of different ways to go down. A lot of dudes on both teams who can end up with 100-yard games. Yes, yeah. The question is, well, we know the Falcons' defense is bad, so their offense is going to have to score. But if for some reason the Seahawks get down, are they going to let Russ cook? I think I We think know they he will. has the talent, so he could do it. He could do it. He's done it in start when he's had to. That's the only time he gets to cook. They make him. They spend the first three quarters eating up the grill, just telling him, promising him that he'll finally get to cook. And then in the fourth quarter, the lid comes off and he gets grilled. Mm -hmm. All right. Any other thoughts about the week one schedule here before we move on? I have a lot, but we have a lot of show to get through. So I think it's best if we move on. Okay. We can always come back to it later if we want. We can do whatever we want. That's right. Show. That's right. So new to the podcast this season this may not be an every week segment for us, but it is new this year. Uh, we each chose the best defense to stream this week. Always a lot of options out there. Defenses. Let's be honest. It, it is a position you typically, unless you get, you know, one of those elite defenses, quote unquote, but you really don't know who that's going to be year over year. Uh, like Jacksonville, was that like three seasons ago? They had like the number one defense in the league, just crushed all metrics. The next year, just a pile of hot steaming garbage. Right. It, it happens every year. It was the Bears then a couple years ago. And the next year, not that they were terrible, but they definitely weren't that elite level like they were the previous season. So as, as much as you want to say, like, oh, just go grab like the Niners or the Patriots because their defenses were amazing last year. 
Could they be very good and amazing this year? Absolutely. But chances are they're going to fall off from the paces that they were on last year. So we are pointing out a couple defenses that you should be picking up and streaming this week if you have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, to all you naysayers out there, who I'm sure there are some out there saying, why do you about defense? People should have defenses in their league. Majority of leagues have defenses. And so this is a very worthwhile endeavor. Yeah, just be lucky we're not talking about our kickers to stream for the week. I will do it one of these weeks just to be fightful if you don't be careful. That's right. <laughs> so, Jake, do you want to lead us off here? Yeah, um, I'll start off. And the one thing I do want to point out about this, is I tried to avoid those top tier cluster of defenses, you know, maybe the top three or four that should be consistent week to week. It would be too easy. And a lot of the times you're not going to be able to get those defenses anyways, unless you draft them. So looking at sort of the meaty middle here, the one that jumped out to me is Philly. So I'm just, I'm toying with the idea for, you might see some recurring themes with this segment. Mm -hmm. And I might be targeting about two or three offenses. And whoever the defense is on the opposite side, I'm probably just going to go with one of them. Washington is one of those teams. Even though I like Dwayne Haskins to improve this year, I've talked about it many times in the past, and I think he'll be better than people think he will be. He's still a a year. I mean, he's had half a year to this point. Mm -hmm. So he is young. He does not have a ton of weapons. But most importantly, he has one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. So they are, Washington is actually ranked 29th by PFF coming into the season here. Last season, Washington's QBs together took 50 sacks on the season. That's more than an individual uh, quarterback took all year. So the highest was Jared Goff at 48 as an individual. They added a a couple on that. That's, That's rough. So again, he's still improving. He could get shaken up. And this Philly defense is actually pretty stout up front. They actually have a really good front seven. So PFF has ranked Philly defense 14th overall. So not great, not awful, just kind of in the middle. But that front seven, so they have uh, you know Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, and they had an off-season signing. Uh, they got Javon Hargrave from Pittsburgh. So all of those guys, great pass rushers, essentially. I mean, you're going to have a whole lot of force coming at Dwayne Haskins early and often, and uh, I don't know, man. I could see four or five sacks happening in that game. Yeah, I like it. I, I That was one of the matchups I was actually looking at, too, uh, before I decided, decided on, on uh, my defense, but that was one of the matchups I was looking at, like, oh, Philly could just kill them this week (laughs) i mean it they really could so i like that Um, and they may have to because their offense is not going to be probably elite here in that first game either yeah but i don't see washington's defense um being all that formidable this season they're not bad they're not bad but really has a terrible offensive line too with a couple of losses that they had here Mm -hmm. so that's what makes it yeah absolutely so my defense for the week is the Chargers. They I picked them because they're playing at Cincinnati this week with the Bengals. I mean, you've got Joe Burrow, rookie quarterback. He has no preseason games to even get any sort of like real NFL game speed or experience under his belt. Even if it's only a series or two, you know, it, it seems to be that 
your starters aren't getting as much playing time as as they used to with the preseason for obvious reasons. You don't want to, you know, set them up for injury. But so rookie QB, their um, wide receiver core is a little bit dinged up. AJ Green, you know, he's he, he had that little minor injury in the offseason. T. Higgins, rookie that everyone's really high on. He's dinged up a little bit with injury. Not sure if he's going to play this week. You've got their offensive line. They've got two first-round picks uh, from the last couple drafts that have been out with injury the last couple years. So the offensive line is brand new, essentially, with guys that haven't been playing together all that much. And then the Chargers, um, I just really like their defense. So last year they finished 14th overall. Uh, which middle of the road, they weren't anything great. Uh, they were fifth in passing defense in 18th in rush. And then they were also 14th in scoring defense. Now I know they lost one of their big time players to injury here uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But when you look at the talent that they've got on their defense, I mean, they can really get after the quarterback and really disrupt things. And like I said, with just a rookie quarterback, I just don't see a good path early in the season for him to succeed. Give him a few weeks, let him get acclimated to the NFL. Sure, might be a different story once things start to gel, but these first few weeks, I just don't trust him whatsoever. And he still may be fantasy relevant, but I really think that the Chargers defense is going to score a lot of points for you. Heck yes. This may be the hard knocks bump talking, but I was really excited to see this listed on the show (laughs) sheet for them. I think there could be some true welcome to the NFL moments in this Mm -hmm. game. Yeah, I really wanted to pick the Rams, but then when I saw they were playing Dallas, I'm like... No, that that Dallas, you know, that they're too good in offense. Uh, but I really do love the Rams defense as a whole this year. So uh, it was one of the two uh, hard knocks teams I was going to pick. <laughs> you, you just have to. It's it's almost mm-hmm. uh, a thing to be forced. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other defenses you want to just give a little asterisk of of other ones to look at or you feel comfortable with just these two? One other if, if folks are interested, maybe if these two are scooped up. The other team that I'm looking to uh, uh, highlight as an offense and just look across the board at who's playing against them, it's the Jets. So, again, especially Mm -hmm. there's so many banged up players there. Uh, Sam Darnold could still have some shaking confidence issues in this first game. And they're playing the Bills. Uh, It's probably going to be tougher to get the Bills than these other two teams off waivers, but uh, definitely worth a shot. Mm -hmm. I like that as well. All right, we'll move on, do a little injury update. Sound good? Absolutely. So we'll just we'll touch on the highlights here. We're not going to go through every single skill position player, uh, but we are using Pro Football Reference. They have a great just list of up-to-date injuries or reasons why players are missing practice, you know, if they're out for whatever reason. So uh, first thing we'll start with is quarterbacks. Not a whole lot there really to speak of. Uh, Just something to keep an eye on, though. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, He is out. Uh, Very sad. His mother passed. Condolences to him and his family uh, because he seems like the most stand-up guy, uh, one of the most stand-up guys in the league. So uh, feel very bad for him and his family. But, uh, you know, we don't know if he's going to return in time for the game Sunday or not. So something to keep an eye on there. Could be to a time earlier than we expect. Uh, but for those of you that were hoping for a Ryan Pitt- Fitzpatrick uh, early season smash, uh, just keep your eyes open for that. 
And then for running backs, um, Justin Jackson, he's got a foot issue, but uh, looks like he's probable to play against the Bengals uh, this week. Um, Daryl Henderson has a hamstring injury, probable to play, but he'll he'll probably be active, but with hamstrings, more of like a third string, fourth string role, uh, break glass in case of emergency here. Miles mm-hmm. Sanders, um, he is still dealing with his lower body injury uh, that, that hasn't been too specific. Uh, likely to take the field, he's probable as well. But again, keep an eye on that in case things take a turn for the worst here. Okay. What I really want to point out here is Sony Michelle. Mm-hmm. So that whole backfield is just in shambles right now. So Damian Harris is uh, on the injured reserve list. Which just shocked me. I was so sad about that because he was having a great camp and I was really rooting for the guy after basically not getting any touches last year, being a healthy scratch the entire season and then having a great camp from from everything that's come out of there. And then this happens. It's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And he was going to thrive because they cut Lamar Miller just as Mm -hmm. soon as they signed him, basically. So it was wide open for him. Well, now Sony Michelle would hypothetically be the guy, obviously outside of James White. But Sony Michelle now probable with a foot. Uh, he's working back from the foot surgery. They say he's going to suit up against the Dolphins. It's going to be really interesting to see if he does and if he does how much he'll be used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything I've read is that he is coming back along nicely and uh, looks like he's progressed well. So I don't know that it should be a big issue, but you never know again with the Patriots what they're going to be doing with their backfield there. Cause you still got sexy Rexy got James white. I mean, there, there is still a lot of players there that, that can touch the ball. All right. So who do we want to talk about next here? Um, maybe I missed this, but Raquel Armstead, uh, he is out. He's going to miss an extended period of time. It says, uh, he's on the injured reserve COVID-19 list. Uh, was That's not right. aware of that. So interesting. James Robinson. Season. Yes. That's right. Uh, DeAndre Swift is still bothered by his leg, so he's questionable. Again, keep an eye on it. Even if he is active, um, I would probably want to start on Johnson instead, just based on this news for this week. Or maybe it'll be Adrian Peterson. We don't know. Yeah. We'll, t- we'll talk about it later. <laughs> that is what we <laughs> oh, call foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Then we got Kenny and Drake still has soreness in his foot. He'll play. I'm not too worried about him at all in this situation. I think that was just more of a precautionary issue. David Montgomery is out, so he'll be out for two to four weeks, it says. Where my Tariq Cohen truthers at. That's right. Okay, we'll move on. I think that's it for running backs, unless there's anyone else you wanted to touch on there. No, sir. Ooh, a sir even. Nice. All right. Uh, tight ends. Looking at the list here, uh, Chris Herndon's probable, so uh, just kind of keep an eye on that. He'll most likely play, but he might be a little bit limited, unfortunately. Uh, Travis Kelsey popped up on the injury report list this week. Uh, That's a big one. It is. Uh, He is probable, but it says he's dealing with a knee injury. It's a Thursday night game, which is actually Mm -hmm. great because it gives you time if he does sit. uh, To pivot. To, to pivot and pivot early and grab uh, a dude off of waivers before mm-hmm. somebody else might get to him. Yes. But that's scary. It is. It is, especially uh, with hamstrings because 
or I'm sorry, it's his knee injury. I was looking at a different mm-hmm. player. Um, let's just hope this isn't something that lingers too much into the season. You know, if it's one of those things where he starts to get swelling or something like that, uh, it could really hamper his his production this season, which I really hope not because I have him in the Scott Fishbowl, and that would just really uh, ruin my chances here <laughs> for selfish rough. reasons. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, Ian Thomas popped up on the injury report list here uh, with uh, toe injury. That could really affect his playing uh, as far as running routes and getting out of uh, breaks and and being able to really push off with full speed. So definitely keep an eye on that for all you uh, Ian Thomas truthers out there. I think a lot of us are expecting him to have a uh, jump up this season in his production. So definitely keep an eye on that. Yeah, toe injuries sound silly, but they have taken down some fantastic receivers mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, so it's it's no laughing matter. That's right. All right, then we will finish off with wide receivers, and the list is long. Not that I think a lot of them are necessarily, uh, you know, your superstar studs, but we'll, we'll touch on the ones that are most fantasy relevant here. So... Can we talk about Brandon Ayuk straight away? Let's do Because it. really, we should just talk about the 11 San Francisco wide receivers yeah. on this list. No kidding. Most of them are out just for the year, and we've known about them. Uh, but Brandon Ayuk is no questionable with a hamstring. So there's that hamstring word again. Uh, it's mild, they say, but it's still yet to be determined if he's going to play against the Cardinals. Yeah, and... And questionable, you have to remember that designation is literally a 50-50 proposition here. So it can literally go either way at this point. So definitely keep eyes open for that. And then Debo Samuel, the other wide receiver there in San Francisco, uh, he's actually probable, uh, and they're projecting him to actually be active in play uh, You know, after – being out with a surgery just weeks ago. So uh, that's very so. good news. Again, how, how active and how involved is he going to be remains to be seen just since he seems to be coming back fairly quickly. But again, all the reports out of camp have been very positive about him playing and, and looking good in practice. So um, I, I would it may pro- still be worth I don't know about you if you think you would do this, but I might consider stashing Kendrick Bourne on my bench if I have space mm-hmm. in case one or, God forbid, both of them can't go. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's a good call. Just just on that off chance, I mean, they're going to have to throw it to someone other than George Kittle on that team or the 50 running backs they have. So I, I think Kendrick Bourne is a stash, if you can, is, is good. So... Uh, we will breeze past Josh Gordon on the list because I just don't want to talk about him yet. <laughs> um, Mike Williams, we all know, uh, shoulder sprain, as we saw on Hard Knocks. Uh, but it's saying that he's a game-time decision for the season opener this week. I bet you he goes. I bet you he plays. Um, really? I do. I was going to say, I'm willing to bet right now that he won't actually suit up for this first week. No. I mean, you would think mm. against the Bengals he wouldn't have to. If if my stream of the week for defense proves true, you you definitely wouldn't need them. But uh, true. I I don't know. Yeah, I just I don't know. That was just my thought. It was my gut feeling. So I'm staying, sticking with it. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Cooper Cup is probable. Uh, he's nursing some ankle soreness, but is expected to play. 
yeah, I expect him to play too. No surprise there. Um, Deontay Johnson, surprise. Um, this is very questionable surprising. with a, a calf injury and not sure if he's going to be playing in the season opener this week. So definitely keep an eye on that. I know a lot of people had him as taking a major step forward this season and, and kind of being their breakout candidate for the season. So definitely keep an eye on this. This could be a big one. Um, who else do we have here? Um, I mean, there's Alshon, but Alshon's always, he's always on the out. mend in some way, and he's out. So he, we should know that, but now it's official. That's right. That he's out. <laughs> uh, N- New York Jets, as we alluded to a little bit in the first segment, have a bunch of dudes that are likely to be out. Denzel Mims, hamstring, another goddamn hamstring. Mm-hmm. Um, they say he's likely to suit up. I don't know. Uh, that's whatever. Braxton Berrios, you don't really care. Rashad Perryman, uh, probable. Swelling of the knee. They think he'll suit up against the Bills. I don't know. All this means to me is if you have Sam Darnold and you even dreamed about starting him, don't. But I, I think you could safely say fire up uh, Jamison Crowder. He's going to sure. get all the targets on this team. Holy cow. <laughs> You're goddamn right. Uh, moving on. Uh Golden Tate uh, pops up with a hamstring injury. Uh, not sure if he's going to play. Uh, and that is Monday night. So if you're planning on using him, uh, try to have another Monday night player there available on your bench that you can switch to because it doesn't give you a lot of time to to pivot uh, if you need to. And then all the way down, Preston Williams, he's probable. I'm expecting and him Devante to start. Parker. Yes, and Devontae Parker, he's probable as well i would think both of them will be starting doesn't sound like either of those are overly uh serious injuries and we know preston williams is just recovering from the acl so uh all everything coming out of camp is that he looks good so i'm not expecting a setback there yep uh i'm really saddened to see brandon cook's on here mm-hmm. um we know kind of about the quad injury but he is probable uh, to go against the Chiefs. And again, this is a Thursday night player, so mm-hmm. it's good to assess these things now. Yep. And then Amari Cooper still on the injury report with this mysterious uh, leg injury that nobody seems to know exactly what it is. Uh, they play Sunday night, so again, kind of keep an eye on that, that you have players that you can pivot to if, if you need to because you definitely don't want to be taking a zero if he's ruled out at the last minute. Uh, and he is questionable. He's not probable, so definitely keep that in mind. Uh, Paris Campbell uh, recovering from a concussion, uh, and he is probable. He's been activated from the league's concussion protocol, so he is expected to play and suit up but again keep an eye on that definitely something to keep an eye on more of a long-term issue with concussions because we just don't know every person recovers differently from them so definitely keep an eye on that uh jarvis landry is questionable um still not fully recovered from his hip surgery over the summer so it says it remains to be seen if he's going to be available versus the ravens uh have any feelings about that jake because I thought it he makes was, me nervous. I thought he was ready to play from everything in camp. It sounded like. Well, what's weird about him is I feel like there was not much talked about throughout the offseason mm-hmm. with him and positive or negative. And when it comes to injury stuff like that, typically no news is good news. 
But here we have him popping up on this report all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Uh, so it does actually make me nervous because we hadn't got any real positive news along the way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I was surprised to see him on here. And then with Cincinnati, again, with the wide receivers being injured, uh, as I said before, T. Higgins, he's questionable. Not sure if he's going to play. Uh, A.J. Green, hamstring. He is expected to play, but again, it's a hamstring injury, so uh, very easy to tweak that again, and especially with his advanced age. Uh, we know they don't recover quite as quickly from those, even though he still is in the top 1% of uh, human beings on the planet. So, uh, And then John Ross has an arm injury, but likely to suit up. Doing John Ross thing. Yep, yep. And that basically covers it for our injuries. Did I miss anyone that, you want to talk about more, Jake? No, no, no. I think we did pretty comprehensive coverage of that. Mm-hmm. I think all those last three names just make your Chargers pick even more solid for That's a defense right. to stream. All right, before we get into our next segment where we talk about the muddy backfield, we do have an ad this week. ETFF is presented by Vayer Watches. Vayer was founded with the goal of building an affordable, everyday wristwatch that blends tasteful design with extreme durability and functionality. Vayer returns a sense of dignity to affordable wristwatches and are built to last. Vayer is a true American watch company specializing in both quartz and automatic watches. Vayer is offering our listeners 15% off. If you use the code PODGO15, that's P-O-D-G-O-1-5, go to VaerWatches.com, V-A-E-R Watches.com, to learn more and get your new timepiece today. All right. Thank you for that, Jake. So we're going to move into a little muddled backfield discussion here. I know we we brought up some of this, teased it a little bit already, uh, but we're going to give you our predictions of who we think you should start and why or who do you think the better bet is in this backfield and these are in no particular order by any means uh here so we'll start with denver melvin gordon and philip Lindsay. thoughts on this backfield jake i'm really we talked about this in our fantasy roundtable episode last week he melvin gordon has been a guy that i've been dipping on this entire offseason i started off not the highest on him, but I thought he would come in and get the majority of the work, uh, certainly the passing work, and then Philip Lindsay would kind of be sprinkled in. I'm starting to perceive this as a much more of a 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. And Melvin, the news coming out about Melvin Gordon hasn't been wonderful. So if you're asking me if I feel comfortable starting either of these guys, I would say I would start both as a guaranteed play. Okay. And I might be willing to see them as RB2s on the team. Yeah, but they're I, co-starter. Yeah, I really think that um, Philip Lindsay is being undervalued and underrated. And I've never been the biggest Philip Lindsay truther out there. I thought after his rookie season where he came in as the undrafted free agent that that was just kind of a fluke season. But then he came back again last year, had over a 1,000 yards again. So he has the talent – um, and I just don't see them totally going away from him. And like you said, the news about Melvin Gordon this offseason, you know, hasn't been great. I don't know, maybe it's the altitude he's having trouble adjusting to or what. Um, but I think it's really going to be a truly uh, 50-50 split, at least early in the season, until they really figure out how they want to use the two of them. 
I, I think they're a fairly safe flex play if you have to use them. But I, I really want to stay away from this backfield until we get a better idea of where who's going to get the, the bulk of the carries, especially Can towards I tell the you goal the line. From Pro Football Talk, the yeah. Broncos officially enlisted Melvin Gordon and Philip as co-starters. Like they said that. They came out and said they're co-starters. So are they going to be co-starters with the first snap of the offense? They're both going to be on the field at the same time? God, I hope so. Uh, yeah, un- until we know more about that backfield and how it's actually going to play out, I just, I'm just i going to avoid it. And like I said, unless I really need a flex play. Mm-hmm. So moving on, uh, the Lions, as we kind of talked about here with the injury update uh deandre swift has injury they just brought in adrian peterson which why um and then and then they have carry on johnson they did need depth with carry on kind of almost wavering here lately they just need somebody there Uh, yeah this one i don't have a good feel for uh i i have a feeling peterson will probably get the first and second down work on more drives than we would like. Uh, and, and carry on. will come in as the third down guy until Swift is back to health. And then once Swift is healthy, I mean, I expect him to really take over that backfield pretty damn quickly. Yes. I 100% agree with that. But this, for this first week with that stupid leg injury, I'm not going to bank on Swift. I mean, we've talked about it, but I'm not going to bank on Swift being it. I don't feel comfortable starting any of these. Yeah. I, I really don't either. Um, and the Lions, who are they playing this week? The Lions are going against the Bears. So, yeah, not a, a great matchup. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. Yeah, so, yeah, stay away from that backfield if possible. Uh, but if but if you had to start one guy, who would you start? Look, if I have to, I'm actually going to err on the side of the goal line, which unfortunately is Adrian right now. And that's still gross to talk about. It is. It is. All right, so uh, next team I have on the list here is the Bills. With, oh, this is uh, easy. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. You're starting Zach Moss. One hundred percent. I'm starting Zach Moss. I'll, look again. We've talked about it, and I am now a fan. But they've even come out lately. It's just all in favor of Zach Moss. The blurbs that are coming out about him. I'm I'm very excited. Well, that's good. Uh, I'm glad people are excited about that. I don't quite know how I feel. I I, I think they're going to give Singletary the shot to start with uh, just because he had such a, a good rookie campaign. I know there's been the con- concerns about the fumbles here with, with the offseason or uh, training camp, I should say. But I he is the one that is invested already in this offense. He was there last year. He he has the uh, rapport with the offensive linemen, the quarterback. You know, all those things are very important, and and so I I really think he will get first crack at it. I think if he continues to have the fumbling issue, then yeah, it's going to be all aboard the Zach Moss train. But un, until then, if that happens, uh, I, I I tend to lean towards uh, Singletary. Would you start Singletary as your running back? If I had to, sure. I would hope I would have different options because I'm I'm still not real confident about it. Uh, but I suppose as an RB two, yeah, yeah, I would start him as an RB two. So let's just hypothetically let's do this or that. Let's go back to uh, if you had start Mel Gordon, Philip, and the even Singletary. Are you going Singletary? Um, 
Who's Denver play? So I'll look at the matchup here. Oof. Um, I would probably do Singletary. Yes. Yeah. So the Broncos take on the Titans on Monday. Yeah, I don't like that because otherwise I was going to say Lindsay in that scenario, but but yeah, the Titans have a solid defense. So Singletary, fair enough. I can Jets. I think that's useful. Okay. Uh, next, very muddled backfield to talk about. We have San Francisco. And this is the same as it was last year. We never know who was going to get the ball. It was basically the hot hand approach, which I'm sure is going to continue this year. So you're never going to know week to week. But um, reports out of camp are that McKinnon looks phenomenal. And and he's ready just to tear shit up out there. Um, You have the late season star, uh, Colonel Mostert. Of course, Raheem. And then uh, Tevin Coleman is still in the mix. So how do you see this backfield, or who would you be most confident in starting, I should say? The thing about San Francisco is that I don't, as ambiguous as their backfield can be, I think on week one, they have designated somebody as a starter. That's an okay thing to accept for week one. Mm-hmm. Going beyond that, I don't trust any of that. So if they say that Ricky Moser is their guy, which they have, then I have to believe that it's Moser's back to start. In this game, I feel very confident on the work Moser. But I would also feel very starting Derek McKinnon because of all those recent injuries that we talked about. And especially if Debo and IU and these guys are out, then McKinnon is going to get a lot of targets. So I'd be interested for both of those guys. Coleman, I don't want any part of. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I would, like you said, I would go with whoever the starter is named for the week and, and just go from there. Again, until we learn maybe a little bit more about what the season is going to look like and we, and we can see how the kind of the game scripts go and everything like that. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the best bet. Uh, another just ugly freaking backfield here that has way too many questions is Tampa Bay. We've got Leonard Fournette recently signed who apparently is picking up the, the playbook very quickly, very intelligent. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, you got Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn. The much hyped rookie early in the offseason has now been basically the forgotten man there on that depth depth chart. So I feel like it's going to be a healthy, healthy mix of Ronald Jones and and Leonard Fournette to start with. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a 50-50 split. Um, Maybe if someone starts to kind of get into a groove, kind of going with that hot hand approach. But, I mean, McCoy... I think he was just brought in as like a veteran leadership piece, maybe to spell for like a third down uh, pass catcher. So it, it really does come down between Ronald Jones and Fournette. And I just, I mean, they brought him in for a reason. They're not going to not use Fournette. So I think it's going to be a even split between those two early in the season here. And I wouldn't want to start either of them here in week one. This sucks. <laughs> I just traded for Ronald Jones. Like a week ago, right before the Fournette signing, the dynasty. He's, I don't have a lot of great impact depth on that team. You know? So I'm debating about forcing myself to start Rojo. Because remember, Arians did say, even after Fournette signing, Rojo is quote unquote our guy. Of course. But then he, I think it was just today that he talked about how Fournette was picking things up and he can get plenty of work. And mm-hmm. I hate it. Me too. All right, and then we'll move on to the Washington football team here. We got Antonio Gibson, Bryce Love, Peyton Barber, and J.D. McKissick, who, if if I think I remember correctly, I saw a report earlier today that McKissick was actually named the starter for the running backs. So 
what the fuck do we do with this situation here? Uh, basically, <laughs> I can say Peyton Barber is just depth. Uh, I'm not worried about him at all. So I, I, I thought McKissick would be mainly the third down back, and Gibson would kind of be given the reins as as the, the quote-unquote starter with some Bryce Love mixed in there as spelling him. But I don't know, with McKissick kind of given the nod here, and I know – depth charts don't mean a whole lot or who was announced as the starter. It doesn't really mean a whole hell of a lot, but I mean, it seems like you'd want to lean on Gibson since he's had like the really good camp. They did, you know, use good draft capital on him. It was only their Washington's second pick in the draft this year, you know, so they addressed the running back position uh, well before they probably needed to. So that that's where I lean. But what about you, Jake? I, when you're talking about that J.D. McKissick thing, I think there's a fine line how to interpret some of those depth charts and who they call as, as the lead back and all that. So they, this was just Washington put out the depth chart, and then, of course, the stories rang because they saw McKissick's name listed first technically on the depth chart. But it's not as if, like, Cody staff has come out and been like, J.D. McKissick is our guy, mm-hmm. uh, and he's going to be the starter, and he's, it, just, it, it was the depth chart. His name was there. That was it. So I think that's a clear distinction that needs to be made. Because if the uh, coaching staff came out behind that and was really pumping them up, then I'd be nervous and weirded out, I think. Uh, but they haven't done that. I still think Gibson is going to be the guy there. I still feel very comfortable starting Antonio Gibson this week. He, I would, if he's an RB2 for me, I'm comfortable doing that this weekend. Um, at least because, I mean, it's Philly. And yes, we talked about how they can get after it enough. But the dude's just going to get enough targets. I still feel like make up for any deficiencies um, by the offensive line and all that. So I'd, I'd be comfortable rolling him out. I wouldn't start McKissick. No. I wouldn't start any of the other. No, me either. All right, Jacksonville. We've got Ozingbo, Robinson, Thompson. Uh, I saw reports uh, yesterday on Twitter that uh, Robinson has been shooting up the boards for the high-stakes DFS players. Which, Ooh. which I mean, I, I take that as you know, these guys are are doing hundreds and thousands of dollars for their lineups uh, for DFS. So if, if he's starting to creep up their board, that that's something I think we need to pay attention to. So there might be something there. Uh, I don't know how confident I would be starting any of these guys. Uh, maybe the only one is in a flex position would be Chris Thompson, just because you know he's going to get that third down work and the, and be the pass catcher. But as far as the other two, oh, I don't know. Until things, until maybe we see what happens here in week one, I don't know that I'd be confident in starting either of those other two guys. I think that's fair. I think you want to live dangerously. Robinson is an option for you to consider because the cold defense is not uh, outrageous. You know they're not so they're not such a run stuffer that you'd really have to worry about him. It's just a matter of guy came out of nowhere because of injury. How much trust you put in him to, to perform there? So I agree with what you're saying about the domino. If you drafted Chris Thompson, you have to play him in the first game. It's the only game you know he's going to start healthy for. So you might as well mm-hmm. get something out of it here. And That's for right. what it's worth, I actually looked at the first games uh, of the year that he started for because I was curious to his receiving work looked like. And so if you go back over the last year, when Chris Thompson had started uh, at, at the beginning of the year, after the first game, he got 10 targets. Uh, this was in Washington. The year before that, uh, 
seven targets. The year before that, he got seven targets. So, you know, fire him up for seven targets this week and roll him as well. Mm-hmm. All right, and then the last one I want to talk about here, it's a little bit more cut and dry, I feel like, than the other ones we've we've talked about so far. But Miami, there is a little bit of question with Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, how that is going to shake out. Personally, I, I think Breida is going to have the bigger season. I, I would trust him over – I mean, Howard, he's reliable. He's never done anything to really – not want you to start him. I mean, let's be honest. He succeeded everywhere he's gone. He's been a good player. He just doesn't get the receiving game work that we like to see. And that's why I'm going to take Brita because Brita is more of a, a natural pass catcher. And Miami is going to have to dump it off most likely, uh, especially if Fitzpatrick is out and, and they start to, uh, uh, as the rookie, there'll be a nice little safety valve there. Uh, so it's like I said, especially if Fitzpatrick doesn't go this week, I would fire up Brita over Howard. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate that. And initially you might look at their competitions and they're big Patriots and you might get nervous about starting these guys, how dominant they were. Remember the Patriots about a large portion of their defense, especially their front seven. Mm-hmm. So Kyle Van Noy is out, linebackers, Collins and Hightower, safeties, uh, Chung and uh, Harmon are out. There's all these guys who are out. So I don't know. I kind of find Howard if I have to. It feels dirty. Mm-hmm. I agree. So any other backfields you want to touch on here? Did I miss any? No, I think that was a key weirdness that you got there. All right. So that just leaves us with the one thing you guys have been waiting for all night long here. As long as you've been listening, we tease it at the very beginning. We're finally coming around to it. Uh, that's our start of the week. So we each picked one player to plant our flag on. Lead us off, Jake, for week one. Week one, start of the week for Jake here. Juju, Smith Schuster. Uh, you know him, you love him. He fell off a cliff last year. It's unfortunate. So I think he's going to be flying under a lot of players this week. Now, initially, I had wanted Jay Johnson in the face, but given the return of him, maybe or maybe not suiting up, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to dominate against the Giants. The Giants do not have a great secondary. The Giants, the Giants do not have a good defense in general. EFF ranks number thirty, so that's just barely. Uh, not and Big Ben is healthy and Ford's coming out of camera that he's playing it. He's feeling good. His arm looks fine. He's making all the throws. Now James is also an interesting play. I, I, any of these guys, if Deontay Johnson starts, you're still nervous because he's a decoy. But otherwise, pair of your wide receivers for uh, for the Pittsburgh team. Okay, and my start of the week is. Our boy from Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor, going against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's be honest, Jacksonville's defense is awful. They have basically no real pieces on their defense right now. Uh, And I know Marlon Mack is, quote-unquote, the starter for for week one here, but I think that their defense is so bad that Taylor is going to end up getting plenty of opportunity, and I wouldn't be surprised if he rips off a couple of, like, 60-yarders for a couple touchdowns because that's what he does. And and I think he's going to end up just exploding onto the scene uh, I think he probably has a little bit of chip on his shoulder for not being the first running back drafted in this class. And, and I think he's going to go out and prove it this week and just have a, a huge week out of nowhere. 
except not out of nowhere. That's right. So those were our starts of the week. I hope you guys listen to this and use them and you win your week because of us. Because that's what we're here for. Uh, If you don't, don't be That's right. You'll (laughs) listen to us next week then. This is where we like to give your weekly reminder, folks, to go out and check your waiver wires if you have not. Uh, It is Tuesday right now uh, as of this recording. Typically, waivers run on Wednesday, uh, so you always want to check to see who your league mates may have dropped to make room for their waiver wire pickups. Uh, Typically, it's they'll end up dropping players that are just coming off of injury or are, are injured uh, that may be a week or two away from coming back. Uh, it could be a really valuable piece. So definitely uh, check that out, get your claims in for them. Uh, Cause you never know what kind of jewels you're going to find there uh, uh, for players that just, just happen to get dropped on any given week. You got damn right. All right. I feel good about this episode. How do you feel about it, Jake? I feel better than you. Oh, excellent. I like I it. I feel good with at least a couple of extra. Nice. So, yeah, that, that will do it for week one, folks. Good luck to everyone out there with your uh, matchups this week. Be sure to set your lineups tomorrow. Uh, get in there a day early. Don't wait until the last minute to make those decisions. Get your lineup set. Then you can always tinker later if you have to. But uh, remember, there is Thursday night game right out of the gate here, and you'd hate to have any of those players uh, sitting on your bench here for the first week and start your fantasy season off on a bad note. Uh, so until next week where we will talk about week two and possibly recap a little week one highlights, we shall see. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Drinking Fantasy, and you can find me on the Twitter at FF Dusty Dog. You can find me not pronouncing it Twitter <laughs> at Jake <laughs> I'm just trying to enunciate here for the folks at home. I respect it. And until next week, folks, just keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Cheers.